0: Well, g'day everybody and welcome back to The Extras. I'm Sam. And I'm James. Yes, welcome James. Uh,
1: welcome to The Extras. Thank you, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, you're stepping in uh, this morning in lieu of Mike Everett who's holidaying down in Gerringong. And uh, you've grown a lot of hair, Mike. Oh, oh it's James. It's of, <laughs> someone different. Right. I'm a poor replacement, but I'll do my best. Nah, it's great to have you, mate. We're really, really thankful you're here. Um, now tell us, uh, some people will know you well, others around St. Paul's won't know you quite as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself, James. Who are you?
1: Where do you fit in around uh, the St. Paul's family? Yeah, so I've been at St. Paul's since 2011, and uh, I'm currently uh, here, and I primarily hang out at Afternoon Church at at 4pm, but I'm one of the ministry apprentices here at St. Paul's this year. Gary's my trainer, and I'm seeking to learn as much as I can from from everyone and want to serve God for the rest of my life. And it's been a lot of fun getting to know you, Sam, more this year and yeah. hanging out at Salt and things like that.
0: Yeah, awesome. Mate, great to have you here and uh, let's see how we go learning. This is a bit of a learning experience here on the podcast. We're going to try and tackle some questions and there's some good ones um, which are going to walk us through. I'm going to try and have a shot at answering. We're going to try and tackle them together and uh, yeah, want to shout out to those
1: who um, put in a question this week. There's some really good stuff here to, to tackle. So, Now Sam, if people weren't here on Sunday... Yes. Uh, you- Going through Romans chapter three verses nine to twenty. Why don't you run us through a bit of what you shared um, yeah, and yeah, yeah the services that you were at?
0: Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yep. So we were in uh, Romans chapter three on uh, on Sunday. And uh, the, the first chunk, trying to—I guess it's the the, the real—it's the, the black background on which the diamond uh, is going to be seen most clearly. And uh, Paul kind of has been trying to show us just how how much of a problem sin is. He's um, begun with the wrath of God back in chapter one, the day of wrath in chapter two, um, and then the fact that no one is is the exception. We, no one is righteous. We've all turned away from God, and so therefore we all have this problem. Um, and uh, unfortunately on our own, none of us can solve it, and which uh, at one level uh, leaves us in a, in a sort of unfinished, uh, we haven't got all of the gospel at this point, but we have an important um, sort of stake in the ground, which is that none of us can please God on our own, um, which points us to what's coming this Sunday, uh, which is that Christ can... Um, graciously give you the gift of uh, of the declaration of righteousness through faith. That's where we're going. But we were, we were trying to sort of, Paul's kind of backing us into a corner saying, you have no way out. There's no excuse for anyone. Mm.
1: It's been pretty dark for a few weeks. I can tell you, I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> to this Sunday and, and getting some more of that light. But yep. I mean, we're, we're going to spend a bit more time here, here yep. uh, in the darkness so, yep. Yep, that's <laughs> with right. uh, some of the questions. So that's I guess it. we'll just get into it, right, Sam? Dive in, mate. Fire away. What do we got here? Awesome. So we've had a question that's come in and says, uh, when I speak to non-Christians at uni and explain that there is no way to get to God on our own merit, the conversation usually goes something like this. So uh, my non-Christian friend will say, so why are you bothering following all those rules then? And, And I might respond, we don't follow rules to get into heaven. We're already guaranteed a relationship with God because of Jesus. We just trust in him. To which my friend will say, well, isn't that still doing something, though? If I don't have to do anything, then why should I have to trust in Jesus? Mm-hmm. So I guess, Sam, the question is, yeah, if, if we are saved just by trusting in Jesus, but how does that fit with not having to do anything?
0: Yeah, this is a really helpful question. Um it's kind of going, well, okay, is is faith the one work that I have to do? That, that's sort of the question here, that, that mm. um, Christ might do it all in terms of paying for sin on the cross, or maybe not all. He might do 99% of the way, um, but I've got to bring the 1% of faith, um, and, and therefore faith is like a work that I almost... But at that point, I could almost boast it. Well, I, I have faith and mm. you don't, so therefore I'm better, or, or something like that. It, and, and I can understand why, um, yeah, the friend in this in this question might perceive it that way, as if faith were a work. Um, but th- that's not the way that faith is is sort of um, spoken about in... Um in Romans at least um, and we're going to we're going really dig into this we're going to start talking faith this coming Sunday and then we're going to do it in a big way in two Sundays time as we look at Abraham and the whole yeah. notion of faith so at one level the answer is hang in there we'll, 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 <laughs> keep coming back keep coming back to church we, we will dive into faith and, and the nature of it um, but let me give you a little sneak preview there's a helpful verse um, in Romans 4 um, verses 4 and 5 um, where, where Paul makes a, a contrast between people who, he's using the idea of, of earning your money, and uh, it talks about in four, four to the one who works, ages, at wages uh, are given not as a gift, but as an obligation, you, you deserve it, uh, but then verse 5, Romans 4 verse 5, um, however, to the one who does not work, but trusts God mm. who justifies mm. the ungodly their faith is, is credited as righteousness. They're
1: sort of set up in, in contrast with each other, aren't that's they? That's right.
0: So faith is, is in the category of, of, of the non-worker. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, you, you don't do anything on your own. Simply you you rely upon what God has done for you. And that's, that's really the essence of, of what faith is. It's saying, I have nothing, I have no works, and God is making me an offer that, that I will I will trust and rely on now you're br- you know, it's not bringing anything to the table that's acknowledging that you bring nothing to the table and mm-hmm. therefore you have to lean on somebody else and so that I think now we'll, we'll do that in a bit more detail in the coming weeks. Um, the other thing to think about is, is that even if you do have faith um, get into Ephesians 2 8 and 9 those, those wonderful verses there um, it says you know it's by grace we're saved through faith, uh, gracious act not by works through faith um, and this not of your, of yourselves it's the gift of God so mm-hmm. even the faith that the, the trust that you have has actually come to that's a gift from God as well um, mm-hmm. part of the sovereign work of God in our life mm-hmm. um, in, in that God does everything even giving you the faith that you need to
1: trust him so mm-hmm. you, there's, there's nothing you can claim as a little one percent of work that you've done yeah right so so you've given us a bit of a taster there but keep coming back absolutely we'll address it in a few Sundays time that's right keep on coming. Excellent, excellent. So, on Sunday, Sam, in your sermon, you sort of pointed us to the parable of the prodigal son or the prodigal sons as, as you
0: someone helpfully corrected me there Pro- I, I, I was a, a wrong um, I, I did say prodigal sons there's, there's only one prodigal son there's two sons out of relationship with God because prodigal means wasteful and, and uh, kind of you know do it, so there's one son who does two like goes and blows it all that's, that's the prodigal idea yeah right, right. Uh, And but there are actually two sons out of relationship with God
1: so thank you to the person who
0: corrected me yeah, a, very helpful point though that there yeah. are two sons there are two sons at. in the story yes. yeah right.
1: right so we had a question that's come in that says well look the story of the prodigal son looks at two distinct ends of the spectrum yes what if i'm not either of them really what if i'm somewhere in the middle mm.
0: yeah that's an interesting question i think um i mean now you've got to remember that the the story of the sons is is, is, a, is a parable um and paul's uh, paul jesus is trying to make <laughs> a point with it um and I, and I think that one of the points he's trying to make with it is actually comparing Jews and Gentiles. Yeah, right. Okay. The, the, the Jewish nation are more like the older son. Um, the one who stays. The one who stays yeah. working hard for, um, uh, for God, on, ostensibly working hard for God. Um, but actually, the, the, the older son is given away by the fact that he, he's, not, he's not actually interested in a relationship with God. He just wants the, the, the gifts of God. He, he's like, why didn't you give me... I wanted a cow to sacrifice with my friends, you know? mm, mm. Um, and you never gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, um, the 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 youngest son is the the prodigal one who goes and blows it all. Now, at one level, yeah, we're not not we're not necessarily either extreme in one sense. Like you sort of think, well, I'm I'm, but but the point is that even the best of us who 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 ostensibly look like we're working hard for God, um, it's not about that. The mm. the point is it's about relationship with the Father. That that's what that parable is all about. Coming back and saying God, father i I need you um I, I want to have a relationship with you um that's that's at the heart of it all and so even if you're sort of slightly rebellious a bit more rebellious, really rebellious, or totally rebellious the, the point is not where you line on the on the spectrum the point of the parable is it's, it's not about how good you are, but about do you have a relationship with the father. Mm. So, yeah, it doesn't matter where you stand on that. You need a relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, just on that still, so we've had another question on the same sort of uh, illustration you were using. So, um, the question goes, I fail to see how the elder son has no relationship with his father. Mm. I mean, he says, look, after all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Does, doesn't that imply some kind of a relationship between... elder son and and his father? Uh, Well, um, it's a good question. Um,
0: Maybe the the idea of no relationship. Um, that, that maybe that's saying that's um, maybe that's not the, the best way to explain what's going on here. Um, you, you can have a relationship with someone, which is that they're angry at you. Yeah, that's uh, a bad relationship. That's a bad relationship. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's that he doesn't have a good relationship yeah. with his father. Maybe that's a more helpful way to say it. Um, and it's interesting if you go to Luke fifteen. It's a helpful passage to to bring up. Um, and you look at. Um, this second the, the older brother's complaint um in verse 29 um so 28 the older brother is angry and, and he won't go into the party with the father uh, and the father goes out and pleads with him and says come on in I want you but here's what the, the son answers 29 but he answered his father look all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders now that might sound good here's, the, here's where his heart gets given away yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends um the old the older son is not in it just to enjoy being with the father mm. he's looking for something he's trying to earn something he's trying to get something out of the father rather than just enjoy relationship with him and that's what the, the father says to him in 31 he says my son you are you are always with me and everything i have is yours so he's saying we get to hang out together isn't that and that's the heart it's about relationship we, we can be together um but the the Older brother's not actually interested in that, and mm. so that therein lies the problem. There is a relationship; it's just not a, not a good relationship. Yeah, right. And the good relationship is the self, is the person who um, wants to be on on um, right terms with the father, rather than looking to get something out of the mm. father. Mm. And so we need to say that if you're if you're listening, and your relationship with God is about you doing stuff for God, so that God gives you stuff, that's not a good relationship with God. Mm. Um, the the right relationship with God is is you. Recognizing that God is gracious and, and gives you everything by His kindness and love and you get to enjoy that by His favour and grace rather than you doing something to
1: get, get stuff from God. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful, Sam. In fact, actually, you just made me realise something. Jesus, the master storyteller, because the younger son, he yes. also asked for the father's stuff. Yes. And the elder son he asked yeah. for the father's stuff the so they're kind of similar right. aren't they? they're
0: very similar one just looks respectable in the way that he does it yeah, the other right. one looks yeah. terrible and you go oh how bad is that terrible and actually both of them mm. are just looking for the father's stuff rather than for the father mm. and that's why the, the, the youngest son's actually better because he ends up coming back and going I've, I've wrecked it with my dad mm. and he goes my father I've sinned against you and not against, Now I'm no longer worthy to be called your son he recognizes that the relational impact and then yes. comes back to God
1: yes yes yep. thank you Sam that's very helpful now, going back to Romans chapter 3. Mm. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, it says that there is no one who seeks God. So, we've had a few questions mm. that have come in about this one. So, yeah. uh, same questionnaire as the previous one about the Elder Son, but they've asked, well, okay, so no one seeks God. Does this mean that Christians don't either? Do, does, are we saying that uh, Christians who have false ideas about the true God um, does that mean that they're not seeking God because they have false ideas about God? Or does it mean that no one can follow God, No, no not? I guess, could you clarify a bit more about what this means, that no one seeks God?
0: I think it means by their own volition, by their own will, um, no one seeks God. Yes, the Christian, obviously, who's been saved and bought by the blood of Christ, which we're going to get into this, this coming weekend, um, yeah, that they can now seek God and honour God, and yes, we want to say that. But that's only because of the the gracious work of God in their life. It's not that you were so good and you said, no, I, I sought God and look, I found Him now, I'm a Christian. No, no, no one seeks God. That's the word there. And We've got to hear that, that, you, that um, none of us are looking for God, but God... Uh, looks for us. And that's mm. that's the, the story of the prodigal son. So let me here, just but... jump in there then. So yep.
1: uh, there's another question on that. So yes. uh, does God's gift of the Spirit help us to seek God? I guess you're saying yes. Um, he Yes, draws. I
0: think that's right. I mean, uh, the Spirit's part of it. Uh, Romans 8 is a helpful um, chunk to go to, uh, which we're not up to yet. But um, Come uh, back in a few years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> next, next year sometime. Um, Paul lays out... For us, it's this grand kind of narrative throughout world history that God's been working to. um, Romans 8, 8 28, 9, and 30. um, So pick it up, 29. He's talking about those who've been called. So verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then verse 30, And those He predestined, he also called those he called. He also justified those he justified. He also glorified. And so you see that the, the flow there. God, God foreknows before the before the beginning of time. He predestines those that He's going to save. Um, and uh, we've got episodes on that if you want to dig into them back in our back catalogues. Um, and, and but then how does he how does the, it come into effect? He calls people. Mm. So if you are seeking God, if you find yourself looking for God, or if someone is is kind of on the edge of becoming a Christian or has just become a Christian and thinking, no, I sought God. Well, only because God called. Um, mm. God, God called out and said, uh, come to me and uh, and God saved. So the the sovereignty of God in, in election and in salvation, um, it's all God's initiative and you only come because God called
1: you. Mm-hmm. It's purely an act of grace. All mm-hmm. grace. Yeah, yeah right, right. right, That's right. Uh, that's very helpful, Sam. Um We've had a question that uh, is drawing on this idea we've been seeing uh, last week and this week, that well, if the Jews who had every advantage in the law couldn't meet God's standards, mm-hmm. then how can the Gentiles? So mm-hmm. uh, one of the questions that's come in is, well, how does this idea that we've seen um, in chapter 3 fit with what we saw in Romans chapter 2 that suggested that Gentiles can actually still fulfill the law because it's mm-hmm. written on their hearts, so the question is, well, are Gentiles worse off, and and, and will they be held to a lower standard? Like, how how does the mm. fact that the Gentiles in Romans chapter two it says that they fulfil the law, yes, fit with what we were seeing in chapter three that the Jews couldn't do it? Yes, um, so I, I think it's talking there about um,
0: and we we did dig into this um, two two weekends ago um, the idea that even the Gentile that the, the the non-Christian, um, just part of the human, part of the human condition, the human makeup, is to have a a moral compass. Uh, part of it is it's just that by nature uh, we are sinners, but we we do have a, an innate sense of right and wrong, and that's just part of the way God has made us and the way that God's made the world. That there are rules and ways that this world operates, and we we can perceive them to a degree. Um, and Paul's picking up on that and saying that, that sometimes. Even Gentiles who don't have the, written law, the, the full revelation of God's law, they in, in, inevitably know within themselves some of what is right and some of what is wrong. And his point is that sometimes they even do the right thing. But he's not saying they always do it. Um, so when he talks in verse um, uh, it's verse 15 that he says... Um, that chapter 2, verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. Mm-hmm. He says that they show that the, that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing, and at other times even defending. Uh, so I think what he's saying is if you take the average Gentile, um, they've got a conscience, they know some sense of what is right and wrong, and sometimes they'll live according to their conscience. Mm. Their conscience says, hey, don't murder that person, and they go, all right, I won't, I won't kill him." Mm, mm, <laughs> um, mm. But other times their conscience says, hey, you really shouldn't be greedy, and you really shouldn't look. At, you know, covet that thing, and they go, to do it anyway. Mm. Um, and, and so at points, yes, their conscience defends them, but at other points their conscience accuses them. And mm. uh, what we're going to find is that even having conscience um, sometimes we'll get it right but that's not enough to be saved. Um, mm. we, we don't. Paul's point is we don't even live according to the conscience that we have uh, nor do the Jews who have the full revelation of the law, they don't live up to that. Yeah. And his point is doesn't matter which camp you're in, it, with, with the revelation that you've got, you still fall short.
1: Yeah, so their conscience—they—they've got something there, but it's not enough to save them. It that's is right. insufficient. They—they and, and
0: they don't even live up to what they have. Yeah, right. So they've got yeah. some revelation, and and um, if they it, it, maybe if they could even live up to that, but Paul's point is they don't. Mm. even their their consciences accuse them.
1: Yeah, and right. And so,
0: mm-hmm. and if you chuck the law in on top of that, they got no hope. Okay. So yeah, does yeah, I think that's his point there that even the small revelation that they've got, they don't
1: live up to that. Mm, Hmm. And so on that, so same idea of, you know, Jews who had the law, unable to fulfill the law. So are we saying that sin is what makes us unable to completely fulfill the law? I guess what the question Mm. is asking as well is if we were sinless or perfect, uh, you know, we didn't have a sin nature, weren't uh, born with this uh, tendency to sin, could we theoretically completely fulfill the law's requirements? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, great question, uh, interesting thought experiment. Um, first thing to say is it, that's what it is. It's a thought experiment. Yep. We do, <laughs> we all have sin, and so at one level, it's a, it's an interesting side point, not 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 a real possibility. Um, um, but I, but the answer, I think, is is yes, um, and I think it's shown in Jesus Christ. Um, mm. That that's what Jesus did. He came and he did obey the law. He did fulfil it at every point, and. Uh, yeah, he he was perfect, and that's what enables him to be the perfect sacrifice to to lay his life down on the sake for the sake of others. If if mm-hmm. Jesus hadn't um, fulfilled the law and obeyed God completely, then he couldn't offer his righteousness um, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think it is um, possible. And um, the other thing to say is that perhaps we much of the law um, we wouldn't have needed um, because much of the law, as we saw on Sunday, has been shown has been added. Um, Galatians makes this point the law is added 430 years later actually to show you just how much of a problem sin really is Um, back in the Garden of Eden God said go for it, enjoy the world just don't eat from that tree now that's a law at points Um, even with that Adam and Eve sinned and and broke it Um, Mm. and then God adds the law later to show just how much of a problem sin has now brought
1: into Mm. our ways of being Mm -hmm. that's very helpful Sam Alright, so in verse 12 of chapter 3, we have this idea that no one does good, not even one. Or there is no one who does good, not even one. Yes. So we've had a question come in that says, so what is the good that Mm. is talked about in verse 12? Yep. Uh, Are we talking about good deeds or good behavior? Uh, Yep. Or actually, are we talking about maybe a, a good relationship of of having the fear of God, a good relationship with God in, in fearing mm. Him. So is it good deeds and behavior, or is mm. it a good relationship with God, maybe fearing Him? Yep,
0: great question. Um, uh, if you, if you, it's a quote, um, so we mentioned this on Sunday. This quote, it comes out of either Psalm 14 or Psalm 53. Um, they're very much almost identical psalms, just a couple of small differences between them. Um, but it's helpful sometimes to go back to the psalm and have a little look at it so if you grab Psalm 53 there um, uh, it's, it's there in uh, verse 3 of Psalm 53 um, everyone has turned away all have become corrupt, corrupt there's no one who does good not even one um, and then he goes on in the next thing to say do all these evil doers know nothing so I think it's the doing that, that is um, immediately in focus so what is the good it's doing good good activity good um, mm. uh, works uh, as opposed to doing evil, and so, um, but we, yeah, w- uh, why is that the case? I think the question's sort of got it in there. It's why do we not do good? It's because verse eighteen we have no fear of God before our eyes, mm. um, and th- therein lies the problem. Um, and uh, I mean Romans eight will will we'll speak to this. as oh, sorry, Romans uh, fourteen will will speak to this. Um, very last couple of words of Romans fourteen that mm. that everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Mm. Um, and there's an idea that you can even do stuff that looks good, but if you're not doing it because you trust God, mm. it's not good.
1: Yeah, you were touching on this, weren't you, in your sermon? Uh, you gave us this term, total depravity. We did talk about is, that. Is that related to this idea of no one does good as well? Yeah, um,
0: it's I mean, it certainly is. Um, and this is, I mean, Romans 3 is sort of the, one of the centrepieces for that doctrine of mm. total depravity. Um, and, and the idea there is that... Um, That every part of us has been affected by sin. Mm. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that we do everything as wickedly as we possibly could all the time, Mm. but that there's no sin has permeated every part of us, and uh, there's yeah. So even
1: even in the good things that we try and do, they are marked by sin. Mm. Yeah. Okay, alright. Just Because of the fact that there's no part of us that isn't tainted by sin. Yeah, which all flows back to
0: the fact that we don't have a fear of God. Yeah. We, we, we don't have right relationship with God. Mm. Um, sin has fully, therefore, yeah. gone through every part of us. Mm. And uh, yeah, e- even our best
1: things yes. sometimes are um, marked by sin. So I guess if we try to go back to the question where it says, is it good deeds or behavior, or is it... A, a good, as in a good relationship with God. It's kind of yes. It's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the great answer, right? <laughs> that's it's right. both, but it, I guess we're saying it's it's the behavior, the, the evil doing, yes. but the reason That's right. The reason why you do that is because it flows out of a heart yeah. that is not in right relationship with God. You got it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So uh, let's let's get fictional for a second. Or okay. not, <laughs> not fictional in the concepts, but fictional in terms of books. so Right-o. We had a question. Uh, In the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis, in the final book, um, there are those who believe in Tash, who are also in the kingdom. Um, How do we go about responding uh, to this sort of idea, especially because some people interpret Tash as Mm. representing, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, Islam, Mm. um, and and Tash as the embodiment of of what God is uh, to Muslims?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, someone's thinking oh, hard, that's, so that's brilliant I mean so we're talking I think The Last Battle yes. is the C.S. Lewis book that that comes out of and I love the Narnia books um, they're brilliant we uh, we do a Narnia series with the Year Sixes as they come into youth group um, to help them understand the gospel so there's lots to like about Narnia do yeah, you
1: have a favourite uh you know, installment.
0: So. Oh, look, I'm I'm a um cl- classic line which in the wardrobe I yeah, love it. Yeah, right. oh, Yeah, um, I, I like them all. But uh, yeah, what do you do with this whole thing in the last battle? There seems to be these um these Tash worshippers who seem to be going into the kingdom. Um, now a couple of things to say there. One, it's it's not fully clear what Lewis is talking about there. Um, and and I don't claim to be a a Lewis expert enough to to um. Yeah, know exactly what what's going on in his his thinking. Um, but I think it is enough to say that if if that is what he's talking about, that if that is other religions that because they faithfully followed it they make it into the kingdom, um, that's not lining up with what the scripture says. And you've got to say, even though it's C.S. Lewis, we love him. What a great guy! Um, it's not the Bible, and so we've got to we've got to weigh other bits of culture via how do they stand up against what scripture says and um, scripture says, no, um, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And mm. so just being a faithful follower of another religion, um, that that's not what's required. Faith in Jesus is what's required. Mm. Um, now, on the other hand, though, the Bible does paint a picture of people from every nation flowing into the kingdom of God. And I think that's what Lewis is trying to pick up on there, that here come all these people, even from Narnia's apparent enemies, Mm. um, they come on in. But the way the Bible talks about that is that it's as they trust in Jesus. And as we've been saying the last couple of weeks both in church and on the podcast, this has got to push us towards world mission. Um, Mm. We should be going to the places where um, where many people are uh, either genuinely or nominally um, Islamic and we want to put the truth of Jesus Christ in front of them and say, this is the way to be saved. Mm. And um, So, yeah, uh, they People from other cultures absolutely will be there with us in ki- in the kingdom, mm. so long as they trust in Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. This also sort of goes back to what we we're saying about uh, no one seeking God. Like people will, may seek gods, but yes. not seeking the true God that we see revealed in Jesus Christ.
0: Y- yeah. Yep. Um, th- that's right. And what what we saw in that is that actually um, those gods that they seek. Um, in inverted commas, um, are actually no gods at all and, yeah, right. and often are a way of, of suppressing the truth about God, Romans, in chapter, Romans, 1, Romans chapter 1, yeah. um, rather than seeking the God who is there. And it's often more convenient to do that rather yes. than deal with the God who who's there.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Well, Sam, I think we've got one more question. Okay. All right. And uh, let's see what we've got here. So it says, uh, Does Paul ever fully answer the question mm. uh, in Romans chapter 3, verses 4 to 8? about why our ever-increasing sin doesn't bring God more glory. Yeah, um, so
0: that, that's the question Romans 3 verse 4 um, or, or 3 even um, uh, yeah, oh, hang on, where is it? Romans 3 verse 5 mm. um, do, do, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly what shall we say? Um, uh, it, it's this whole idea of I think the question behind the question that Paul's trying to deal with here is the person who's saying okay, if it's true that God gives grace to wicked people and therefore God gets some glory by doing that, should I be even more and more and more wicked so that God has to give more and more and more grace mm. and therefore God gets more and more and more glory? Yeah, right. Um, now, Paul condemns that pretty straight up. He, he just writes it off, verse 8. Um, he says, Why not just say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result, their
1: condemnation is deserved. So the idea is that, look... Keep doing evil because yes. if you keep coming back to Jesus, you see just how gracious God is, how That's amazing right. he is, how glorious he is. My sin shows even more how amazing God is that he would love. That's right. So, I should, so
0: the implication, I should get
1: on with the sinning. The, yeah, right. the more um, wicked I can be, I'll go get smashed
0: every weekend. I'll just go and do all the bad stuff as much as possible because that'll show just how gracious God is. Yeah. Um, now and Paul says no, that's that's perverted, uh, that's that's terrible. Um, now d- the question is, does he ever fully answer that beyond that's perverted? Um, <laughs> I think the answer is yes, he does, and he'll pick it up in Romans chapter six, verse one. He'll say, "What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase?" And his answer, verse two, by no means. And uh, so he says, "No" is the answer. Um, and then you go through chapter six, and, and w- w- what the answer is all about um, is about the fact that sin doesn't uh, sorry the cross doesn't just uh forgive your sin mm. it also transfers your allegiance there's this idea of redemption that we're going to pick up this coming sunday uh, that you you used to belong to a master sin and now you you've been set free from that master and now you have a new master god the father and that's mm. the argument of romans chapter six so now serve the new master. You can't be freed from the old one and go back and serve him again. Mm. And so that's, that's where the answer to that goes. But there's more to say on Romans 6 than we
1: probably have time for. Yeah, for yeah, right, right. Well, thanks so much, Sam. I've really, really appreciated um, the answers that you've been able to give for us. So. Look, I'm really looking forward to getting out of uh, this yeah. darkness, getting yes. to the most beautiful butts uh in the Bible <laughs> as you it. were saying yep. that Mike says yep. from yep. Romans 3:21. Yep. Where are we going this Sunday. Yeah,
0: that's it. So this Sunday um it's the, now on on that black backdrop you go to the jeweler, where do they put the diamond so that you can see it most clearly? They put mm. it on a black backdrop. And so today the diamond you know, this Sunday the diamond comes onto that black backdrop and we see um the grace of God, the mercy of God in giving the gift of His righteousness to us um, through uh, the the work of justification. Mm. uh, So we're going to do some big words uh, this Sunday, justification, propitiation, um, Mm. some some big ideas that God makes us, uh, declares us righteous um, through the work of of Jesus on the cross Mm. um, and, and He does that by paying the penalty for sin but also by dealing with the wrath that we are under Mm. um all of which happens through jesus um and by grace and uh this this is the 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 really good news of the gospel and Mm. uh, so we we get to this is really the heart of. we're going to be talking about the cross of christ and how it deals with this problem Mm. and it's awesome
1: Mm. We're really looking forward to it. Thank you, Sam, for your work. And And thanks for being
0: here today, James. Great to have you on the podcast. Happy to be here. Have (laughs) to have you back uh, another time when when (laughs) someone is away. So thanks for stepping in. And uh, that's it for us tonight today. And we will see you soon. Cool. All right. Bye. Have a great week.